Welcome. My name is Thomas Hunter, and I want to welcome you to Rolling Hills uh, in our first men's leadership network breakfast. Um, we've also got satellite campuses watching today. We've got offices at Dell, Nissan, Cat Financial, LPL, CNL, uh, and, and other offices in the uh, Williamson County area. So welcome to you guys. This morning, we've got a treat. We're going to be starting off with Jeffrey Reed. And Jeffrey Reed is the director of Lifeway. Lifeway is the largest provider of Christian resources in the world and is based downtown Nashville. Jeffrey leads a team of over 70 full-time employees and field specialists across the country. Over 3 million children experience the VBS programs that him, his team creates every year. And every summer, over 35,000 kids and leaders attend one of the team's 80 centric kid camps around the country. Every weekend, two million children use the curriculum that is created by Lifeway and his team. Jeffrey's favorites are his kids, though, however, and the four uh, kids that he has and his wife that live in Spring Hill. Um, Catherine is his wife, and they live in Spring Hill with their four children. So um, Jeff Simmons, senior pastor at Rolling Hills, will be conducting the, uh, the, the uh, conversation this morning. After they get done, they're going to go for about 30 minutes. We're going to have some Q&A, and you've got some options in terms of how you can submit questions. We're not going to do live questions, but you can email questions in at questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com, or you can tweet them in at, at leadership underscore net, or you can submit them using the live stream. And the live stream is for um, our campuses that are uh, our groups that are meeting at uh, companies across Williamson County so and Davidson County. Uh, so with that, let me turn it over to Jeff, and let's welcome Jeffrey Reed. Ready to go. Ready to go. Jeffrey, well, this is good. Yeah. I'm excited. You know, this is going to be great. And thanks, guys, and welcome everybody on the satellite campuses, our first ever uh, Men's Leadership Network. I'm really excited about this. Uh, I love being a guy. I just got to tell you, I mean, it's awesome. And, uh, you know, I just love everything about it. Uh, but also, I know that there's all these challenges. We have this pressure to, to provide, to protect. Everybody looks to us for answers. Uh, everybody's looking to fix problems and everything else. And, and, that, and that's great. But we all know, too, that for us as men, as we grow in our leadership and as we grow in our spiritual leadership, the impact that it has on our marriages, the impact it has on our children, on our grandchildren, the impact it has on churches and on community. And so I'm so excited about this. I've been praying so long about what we can do to help all of us, me included. You know, I just want to get better in my role as a, as a father, as a husband, in, in my role at work, and just what I do for the glory of God. And so, you know, we get this one chance, this one shot. And so these next seven weeks, we're really going to pour into some issues that are so relevant to men. And Jeffrey, I'm just appreciate you being here because this is one of those huge topics, you know, talking about how to be a great dad. And uh, the, the time flies. I mean, you know, the time with our kids, I just look at my girls and the way they're growing and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, and Grace is now 10. I'm thinking she's going to go off to college soon. Is she, is she ready? Is, you know, what am I doing? So tell us about your current role, what you're doing and working with, you know, dads out there, with kids out there. And then tell us a little bit about more about your family too. Uh, well, Lifeway is a, a huge organization. I actually am the director of Lifeway Kids. Um, I've been in ministry for a long time, for yeah. over 20 years as a pastor. And uh, was actually a worship pastor and I was always wrestling with what I felt like God was calling me to do. Uh, but I fought it because uh, most people would have considered a dem demotion to go from being the worship pastor of a vibrant, growing church in North Atlanta to the kids' pastor. And uh, I realized as soon as I submitted to what God was calling me to do, things started to flourish. And the timing was such that 
I had a young child myself, a couple, actually I had two kids, another baby came on the scene. And uh, I just felt like that was, the, that was the time in my life to answer the call that God had, had led me to, was to, to not just leading kids. I realized very shortly after becoming a kid's pastor that it's really about leading parents. Mm. Because there are, there are millions of Sunday school teachers across the globe, and there have been uh, for, for generations... But if they keep sending the kids back, even though those kids are getting great instruction, if they send them back and there's no journey in the home, then the kids are going to grow up thinking that learning about God is just something they do on Sundays Mm. instead of something they do uh, in their home. And that's kind of one of my passions. It's not just in leading our Lifeway Kids team, but in equipping our team to equip churches to lead parents. And that's really the key to children's ministry is, is understanding how to lead your parents. And, uh, and so I'm grateful to go to Rolling Hills too, because uh, we've got a family ministry, not just a kid's ministry and a student ministry and a preschool ministry. We've got sort of a, some strategic things that we do. Um, and I've also, I have four kids of my own, so I've learned about, <laughs> I've learned about how uh, much of a challenge it is to be a dad. When you asked me, it was like the pinnacle of this thought that I had in my mind as I had heard it over the years man, your kids are great. And at first, when we had Addison, he was a unique kid because he rarely cried and fussed as a little kid. Um, not, he wasn't perfect, but he always, and we just, I said, well, man, I lucked out with him because I really don't know what I'm doing. And then we got Owen, who has such a sweet demeanor, and, and people would say he's a great kid. And I thought, man, he's two for two because I really don't know what I'm doing. And then we had Maddox, who... For, for most people that meet him, he is an energetic, fun kid, but he's, he's a wild man. He's full of energy, and so he takes the most time to manage, I said that delicately, at home, <laughs> and I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And then I had a girl. We adopted a girl, and uh, then I realized I really don't know what I'm doing, and yet I still have people that say, man, yeah, you're a great kid. You're a great dad. And I've realized that the key in being a great dad is admitting that I don't know what I'm doing. And I think that's what most men are, are afraid to admit mm. and to and, and admit that to God and, and seek his guidance. So I have my wife, Catherine, my four kiddos, um, wow. Addison, who is now 15. He'll be driving this summer. Owen is 14. Maddox is uh, 11 and Ella just turned nine. Wow. It, it's amazing as you talk about that because watching your kids grow and all their different personalities and you know what works with one kid doesn't necessarily work with other another oh. kid you know so well if you heard the, the five love languages well yeah. they're expressed in, in the five other people in my family uh, I can we could see it literally before they were walking and talking what their love language was mm-hmm. Addison is um is is giving gifts so he loves to give he loves to get stuff um, and that's his communication mode uh, Owen is physical touch Maddox is quality time like if you're in Maddox's present you got to be like right here dude like I need your attention you can't be doing anything else and Ella is acts of service Catherine's is uh, kind words and I'm just confused (laughs) (laughs) because I have to change modes continually uh, to connect with my family but it's so important to identify that in your children and in your wife if you're going to be able to love them in a way that they're going to receive love right and so Mm -hmm. that's important that you take the time to really assess that and talking with your kids and helping your kids grow. Yeah. You know, if you have kids, you probably thought, 
uh, we're going to get, we're going to, you know, study how to, I don't know if you even thought this, but we wanted to be good parents. So we kind of took a couple classes and we had it all ready to go until we actually had kids and realized, <laughs> man, you got to take that stuff with a grain and you got to figure out how each of your kids uh, live and think and feel and connect with them all as individually. I do. I really talk to all of my kids differently. Mm. Um, so, some even from a discipline standpoint, some more harshly. And then, of course, they think that's unfair, but they'll see in time how that plays out with their own personalities. Um, you really have to spend that time getting to know their hearts. Wow. I love that. Now, tell us, just because of your position and what you see out there even, why, why is it so important to be a great dad, you know, why is that so important to, to pour in and take this opportunity right now? Well, let's look at, um, let's look at culture and what has happened in the last uh, 30 or 40 years is that, and everybody will, will, will resonate with this, if you want your kids, unless you're a pro soccer player, if you want your kids to be a great soccer player, maybe on the team, you, I, and they do it in our community. And even when I came from Dallas, we had, it was crazy, we had f- full-time people that would spend their time coaching kids how to play football in middle school. Now, that's Texas, but there's, there's similar things to that here, even in Nash, the Nashville area, where if you want your child to be an expert in something, you send them to the expert in that field. So uh, I, I used to teach music, and I, I, w- I would teach kids piano, and so parents that didn't know how to play piano or didn't want to work with their own kids would send them to me and you know pay me to teach their kids to play piano. So we've got that. We've got soccer and coach. We've got tutors for specific subjects. So there's this mentality as parents that we send our kids somewhere to be educated in a certain area. And unfortunately, that also is the case with the church. Mm. We have parents that kind of, and I see it because I'm, I'm a volunteer here at Rolling Hills. I teach first grade with my wife. And you can kind of see parents like, I'm so glad I get to give them to you for an hour and a half. And you can see your, like in their eyes, like, please teach my kids about God because I don't know how to do that. Mm. So we relegate it to the God professionals like we do everything else in our lives. The problem with that is that's the, that's the, last, that's the last thing we should give up mm. when we want to teach our kids about who God is, even in the inadequacies of what we feel like we know about God, which all of us should, should feel that in some sense. We feel like we're so inadequate, we, just, we would rather take a chance and have somebody else handle that instead of struggling through it ourselves. And I, that's my passion in, in, in ministry is to, to help parents understand that they've got to be the spiritual foundation for their kids and let the church be the backup. Mm. Not the other way around. Let those people here that, that love on your kids and love on your students be the ones that back them up. But, but moms and dads have got to take the spiritual lead in their lives, their kids. Wow. Yeah, I think that's so important. Because we are, live in a society where we outsource everything, right? So it's just like, <laughs> I'm going to outsource this part. And, uh, outsource parenting. That's outsource a good, parenting, that's a good you know? describer, description. Yeah. Well, tell, I mean, but that does lead into... What are the biggest challenges, I mean, to, to being a great dad? I mean, what do you see out there? What do you think for all of us? What are those biggest challenges? Well, if we step back, let's not talk about fatherhood specifically because that's just a subset of, what, of, of, of manhood and that um, we, all, we all have a facade 
everyone has a facade and we all have a fear in us that somebody or somebody or perhaps everybody's going to figure out who we really are. Mm. And uh, when God knows who we really are, and so if we can kind of live in his presence, we actually can learn to, to kind of get rid of that at some point. So when it comes to being a dad, I think our biggest fear is failing. And so living in that fear actually causes us to fail mm. as dads. So we, 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 don't want to be too harsh. And I know men, men react one of two ways. Usually there's a third way there, but they, they either had an overbearing dad. And so then they go the other routes and they're passive with their kids or they want to one up their dad, think I can do better than that. And then, so they kind of step in and they're a little aggressive. They're they're both uh, somewhat destructive when actually we, sh- we shouldn't be looking to our dads. Now, if you had a great dad, and I love my dad, he's awesome, but I would not want to look to him as the example of how to lead my kids. So the challenge for me is in is spending time with my father, with my heavenly father, mm-hmm. because I know that that's going to be the way that I lead my kids and how he leads me. I mean, think about it. You can, you can open up the Bible, try to find a good dad there. Like, it messed up with the first generation. Adam's child was a murderer. I mean, we don't have to go far. Noah got drunk and naked in yeah. front of his kids. Uh, we just, we could, Jesus' father, Jesus, Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, left him in the temple. I mean, he would have been carted away today in our culture. Yeah, really. we, you can't really look at scripture, perhaps, except the, the exception might be the prodigal father, but that's a picture of God. Throughout scripture, we see the only perfect father, and that is God. Mm. And so the challenge for men, honestly, is being humble before him, and it's my challenge, being humble before him, allowing him to, to discipline me, mm-hmm. allowing myself to submit to his authority, um, living like a child, as scripture tells us very clearly to come to, into his presence as children, to be a child to my father so that I can understand what it means to be a father to my children. And the biggest challenge for men, there's many challenges in, in culture today. We can talk about those as well. But the biggest challenge I think for most men is realizing that they're going to be found out in front of their kids. And I think that, and I have parents all the time like, man, I haven't been a Christian for long or I have some parents and there might be, there might be some, some guys listening to this now that you don't walk with the Lord and you're like, man, I'm not a Christian. So this doesn't, I'm telling you the, the best thing that your kids can see you do is struggle. Mm. Let them see you struggle in your walk. If you don't have one, I encourage you to start one. Uh, walk with the Lord. Let your kids see you walk that walk. Because what's going to happen is if they don't see you struggle, when they grow up, they're going to go, man, how did, dad, how did dad pull this off? I mean, he just always had it together and he never talked about, me, never talked about his struggles. And they're going to grow up thinking they're incredibly inadequate because you were never able to open up to them about your inadequacies. There's not a week that goes by now and I used to think that way. I was like, I'm going to be strong for my kids and be a man. I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to be that tough dude. And I've realized that the best thing I can do for my kids is see, let them see me struggle. Wow. Um, there's not a week that goes by that I don't ask forgiveness for something stupid that I've done. Mm-hmm. We, we all do stupid things, but the, the, the question is, do you ask for forgiveness when you do it to your spouse, to your wife, uh, to your kids? And that's been one of the most powerful things for me, I think, in transforming the way my kids walk with the Lord. Uh, because now they're able to, it happens with my kids now. Mm-hmm. Um, when I ask for forgiveness, like it's reciprocated. So I'm seeing them with each other. They still get in conflicts like kids do, but that era of forgiveness uh, is, is uh, hopefully permeating our family. And I think that's a big struggle for men. Wow. That's, that's, yeah, that's powerful. I mean, that's right on. And I think 
when you go back to this time with the Heavenly Father, you know, and, and, and so much of that is, is, is correct. I mean, there's times when I'm coming home and, you know, you're just drained and you're tired and, and there's times I'll pull in the driveway and just pray, okay, God, give me energy, you know, and refocus my mind and my heart because I'm, my mind's somewhere else. But when I walk in that door, I know I want to be able to love my kids and love them well. And uh, I think that's so important, so important. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's a small window of time. Like yeah. if you, now, this, I know there's exceptions, and in some cases we have, we have uh, women at work that, and men that are at home, but there's a time for most of us when we get home and, like, I want to I sit on the couch, or I want to, I actually will sometimes go into my bedroom and just coming home from work, lay down, like we got a cat, I'm a, I'm a dog and cat guy, but a cat gets on, on my chest and, and, uh, and I'll just, like, zone out, and then, and then it, this thought, it's like, the cats are great, but your kids are out there. You haven't seen them all day. And so it takes a lot to fight through that. The fatigue, literal physical fatigue. And, you know, if you've spent time talking and working all day, you've got mental fatigue. Mm-hmm. And, and it's difficult to get out and engage the kids. But that is, if I look back on my life and you said it, in a few years, I'm going to, we're always thinking in our mind, there's going to be a time when I'm going to connect with my kids. It's going to be vacation in a couple of weeks. But as you know, when we go on vacation, that doesn't always work out like that there either. Uh, if we don't make the effort and push through that, that wall um, in the afternoons for me, when I get home and spend the time with the kids, then it may not ever happen. Um, setting aside, setting aside uh, time for them, spending time with them individually, uh, and then spending time as a family. We have a commitment as a family that we will eat uh, five meals together a week, at least five meals together, and that we don't just eat. We we always have some kind of spiritual discussion during that meal. I love that. And uh, yeah. as our kid, as my two, my three boys are playing sports, Ella's getting involved in some things too. Like that's going to get harder and harder. But if we have to, man, I'll, we'll start doing breakfast. But whatever the case, there's going to be at least five times during the week when we gather as a family and uh, and talk about it. And a couple of those times we go out. Mm-hmm. So And we've done that since they were babies. So our kids have always gotten used to kind of going out and learning to not throw food when they're, when they're one. <laughs> Instead of most parents are like, we don't know if we can handle it. We don't want anybody else to see our child. They keep them home. But we, we establish that pattern. So we, we go out as a family at least twice a week uh, and we have a few meals at home. And I think that's critical in our in our well, you, you know what I think is so important there, and this is something we've learned in, in, in my marriage and in our family, is you have to schedule it. I mean, you know, our lives are so busy, and we've got, you know, sports that we're going to, and we've got, you know, all the things that are, they're involved in. But if we don't schedule, hey, this is our family night, you know, this is our family time, and we just put on the calendar, we schedule a date night. But otherwise, you just go, yeah, it's going to happen, it's going to happen, and it never does. And so... I think that's huge. You know, five times a week, we're, we're scheduling this, and those, that's a priority for us. And otherwise, everything else comes in and takes the priority, right? Yep. It takes our time. You've got your iPad. Uh, most people listening now have got your smartphone. You know where you've got to be after this thing is over this morning, right? You probably have the first appointment on your schedule this morning. Uh, I have a full list t- today. Yeah. Uh, and so we schedule that because it's important, right? Because it's work. But there's really nothing more important than that time with our kids. So you're, you're exactly right. Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, we go to Moe's Monday. I just gave Moe's a plug. Do you guys have to get a, you get paid for that? Yeah, now? yeah, yeah. With okay. sponsorship. I just, yeah. We go to Moe's every Monday night and we re- rarely miss it. And, uh, and the kids like won't let me not go now if we cho- choose to go somewhere else. Um, and, uh, and then every Sunday after church, there's times that we actually know we're going to, we're going to be eating yeah. food here. There's time individually with my kids. Once a year, I take one of my kids on a, a one-week excursion, like it's I a vacation with dad. 
And so they get to choose. Fortunately, they haven't chosen like Hawaii or because I'll say anywhere in the world you want to go. They're like the mall. I'm like, okay, a little bit outside of, and for a week, don't go to the mall. Uh, but, but that time, and I just remember now my dad's not a believer, but he used to take me places. And as I look back on my life, I remember every one of those times when it was just me and him. Mm. And, uh, and so now, as my ki- I have my own kids, not only do I want them to remember that time, but I want it to rem- rem- be remembered as a time that was a milestone in their lives, in their life spiritually. Wow. Um, so we don't just go and do those things. We go with intentionality. We talk about the Lord. We talk about where they are in their faith, um, which is difficult conversation to have with an eight-year-old girl who doesn't talk very much. She's so quiet and sweet, and so I try to figure out where she is, and uh, we have to schedule that stuff in or it does not happen. Yeah. I love that when you talked about, you know, thinking back to the memories with your dad, and these are those times for, uh, for our kids. You know, we are creating those memories, and, it, it, and if we miss that or we think, well, I'll do that later, I'll do that, you know, we keep putting off we don't get that back. So just, this is that time that we're creating. These are the good old days, you know, <laughs> you know this is, and that's, this is what our kids are going to remember. There is no later. I, yeah. There's no, right. there's no, um, we always do that. We, I think the enemy does that. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he tells us, man, this is just a season for you right now. It's okay to lean in with, with work or to lean in here with this issue because uh, you, you can get to your family eventually because they're always going to be there. And uh, well, they're physically always going to be a lie, but they may not always be there. And so that's actually a lie that we just believe and we put off what we know is important. Mm-hmm. And we, we just, we put it off and then your kids are gone and you yeah. start singing Cats in the Cradle. Mm-hmm. A child arrived just the other day, and you realize, I'm that guy, because I kept putting it off. Yeah. Can't do that. Yeah, yeah. That's why I think things like daddy-daughter ball, father-son ball, I mean, those are, they're great. I can't, my girls are so excited about daddy-daughter ball tomorrow night, you know, but yeah. hey, tell us about, you know, when you, you hit at iPads and phones, how is technology impacting being a dad today? I mean, talk about that. Do you see that out there? Well, a couple ways, you know, I grew up, it, it de- it's definitely an easier access to pornography, oh. uh, you know, uh, growing up, struggled a little bit with this because again, I wasn't a believer. I didn't come to Christ until after high school. I didn't grow up in a church. Um, and, uh, my dad, uh, is, is, is definitely not a believer, but, uh, grew up struggling with that. And then it became so instantly accessible. Wow. So, uh, that's a huge struggle. Um, it really is. And, uh, I think the key has not been, um, the key has not been avoiding that as much as it has been falling more in love with, with Jesus. So mm-hmm. he becomes the center of, of everything. And also there's something in our culture that's diminished the value of the Imago Dei, the image of God. And when we see people and realize that everybody is created in his image, um, it takes that, it, it really changes, um, it really changes our view of, of sex and pornography um, and how uh, the human is supposed to be elevated as someone that was made in his image. And that's probably, the, that's probably one of the biggest struggles for dads and for men. Um, but at the same time, um, I, I have found that I can, because of the technology, I can um, text my kids and let them know I'm thinking about them. Uh, and when they were little, I'd write little notes and things. But now, in the middle of my school day, um, I left my phone back there. Like yesterday, I texted Addison and said, dude, I'm so proud of you. I can't, he's in a play at school. I can't wait to see him in this play. Like in the middle of his day, when traditionally in the past, think about it five years ago, you didn't see mom or dad, maybe in the morning or maybe until the afternoon. Now I can kind of creep into his life wow. a little bit. Hopefully it's not a weird way. Dad, you text me too much. But I can, I can communicate with my kids 
uh, th- that I'm there, yeah. that I'm a, I'm a presence in their life. And so that's a good side of it, but we've got to be very disciplined. I've also seen because of the personalities of my four children, the probability that this is going to become a big part in their life and it's either going to be good or bad. It's going to be bad if they are constantly bombarded with things apart from God, not even pornography, just the distraction of entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I, I would encourage dads to be careful about how easily we throw the iPad in the back seat on vacation or on the way to work or on the way to school. And we throw away that time that I think has been set aside for us to talk to our kids. But it's a lot easier. There's no doubt. Man, we, all my kids have smart devices now. It's easier when we get together and they're on that thing for them to do that. And maybe they're just playing an innocent video game, but they're not being engaged. And it's easy for us to do that. But in Deuteronomy 6... It lays out the course of a day. In the course of a day, we're to do certain things with our kids. Now, granted, we don't walk on the road anymore like it says in Deuteronomy 6. We drive in the car. And it might be a little less time, so you have a smaller window. But I think it's a directive for us to talk to our kids in the mornings if possible, if they're awake when you're awake, um, at mealtimes, when they're being taken uh, to school or picked up from school. Um, the, key, the biggest time for us is at night. Yeah. And I'll be downstairs. It's those, I'm downstairs tired and my wife's tired because she's been with the kids most of the day. And she'll like, can you go up and pray with Elle? And I'm like, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's again, fight through the wall. You go up and pray with my daughter, get on, get on my knees and, and try to look into her heart a little bit. Um, I'm telling you, those, those opportunities have got to be, have got to be taken. This, this, the danger of this is not even, I'm not even as scared about the issue of pornography with my boys as much as culture wanting to entertain their hearts away from God. Mm. Yeah, it's powerful. I mean, I think those things are as destructive that they spend so much time online. I asked my older two, like, how much have y'all read the Bible this week? And they'll give me that. I was like, how much time have you played shooting zombies this week? Yeah. And uh, it's usually like five to one. I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm going to be a legalist here. It, I'm not saying you got to read the Bible an hour today to demonstrate your love for God. But if someone were to look in and see your life, what would they view as most important? You kill zombies on the video game a lot longer than you, than you read scripture and pray wow. to God. So, and dude, I'll, I'll shoot zombies with them, yeah. but we've got to guard that. There's a, there's a line when they just want to be entertained all the time instead of being engaged by their parents and, and by God. Yeah. And that's a huge challenge. I mean, that's a huge challenge here for kids. I Man, I was reading an article the other day about in China and Japan and just the generation growing up. And so, and I think even for us, you know, as, as, a, as a dad, sometimes you get home and all of a sudden your, your phone's still blowing up, right? And everybody's got a need and you're like, uh, and, and you have to really put some boundaries on the time you have with the iPad and your phone and just say, hey, if I'm going to engage my kids, not just them engaging here, but if I'm engaging with them, I've got to put some boundaries here. Yeah, we don't, we don't, do, uh, we don't do devices at the table mm. and uh, they all stay downstairs. So in our house, we have a two-story house. All the kids' rooms are upstairs. There's no electronic devices that ever go up those stairs. Um, that allows us also to help them guard their, their hearts. Um, but I, I encourage you, you guys to do this today. Wherever you eat lunch today, because 10 years ago, you, wouldn't, you just wouldn't have seen this. Wherever you eat lunch today, if you eat out in a public place, just watch people for five minutes. Mm. You'll see like what appear to be married couples, both across from each other. Yeah. You'll see families, usually on the weekends, you have kids eating. You'll see families where almost everybody at the table is on their device. Like they're with each other, but they're not with each other. Mm-hmm. And so it's... <laughs> 
I'm telling you, it's going to get worse too because we're going to be wearing them on our glasses soon and you won't be able to tell somebody's text when they're staring you in the eyes and they're sending an email to somebody because they just thought about it. So it's, it's going to change. Yeah, I mean, it's a blessing, but it's also a challenge. And it's something we always have to look at. T- tell us, Jeffrey, but you have this, you know, you've had a successful career. You've been, you know, God's blessed you there. You, you have great marriage, great kids. How have you done that? How have you balanced all of that? Uh, I haven't, but thanks for asking, <laughs> because now I'm being exposed to uh, hundreds of people. Um, I'm telling you, the, the being okay that I'm not okay, mm. uh, being okay that I'm not perfect, um, and, and letting, letting that be sort of out there in front of people mm-hmm. um, in, in almost every aspect of what I do. Now, obviously, there are times you got to step up and be a good leader and execute things well, um, but living if you, if you ever feel so confident that you don't need any help, you're about to fail. Yeah. Wow. You're, just, you're about to fail at something. If you ever have that much confidence in what you do. For me, I've had no example to go to for, for really a, a great father figure, uh, apart from, from God the Father. Um, I haven't really had a good example to go to for the husband thing. My parents share seven marriages between the two of them. Wow. And so I guess they keep practicing and they're getting better. Uh, they've both been in their current marriages for almost as long as I've been in, in, my, uh, in my marriage with my wife. We've 20, 20 years in awesome. two weeks. And uh, I'm telling you, I, I depend on, this is ironic, I depend on my wife to tell me how to be a better husband. And for her, that's like... She can kind of mold me into the guy she wants me to be. But what I pray is that she would follow God's heart. Mm. I, I prayed for my wife when I first got married because I knew I was a fake. Now, I, I walked with the Lord, but I knew that um, I, I put up this facade as we all do. So this is my prayer for Catherine, my wife. I pray that Catherine would be protected from me. Is that not an ironic prayer? But I knew in my heart that if I was able to to dominate the relationship there, that I would destroy it. And so I prayed that God would protect Catherine from me and work through her to change me. And so God has changed my life. Jesus Christ is the transformer of my heart. Mm. He has done it, and he's done it primarily through my wife. Wow. And my kids. Yeah. My kids, because my kids are really honest with me. They probably say things to me that God wants to say, but they don't have any filters. So they let me know all the time. So I feel like I've grown as a man, as a husband, and as a dad, because I've asked God to speak through them to me. Yeah. So, and through his word. I mean, he gives us great instruction. Uh, fathers, do not exasperate your children, but raise them in the teaching uh, and, and discipline of the Lord. I mean, I frustrate and exasperate my children all the time, and it's because I'm trying to discipline instead of allowing God to discipline them through me. Mm. So, Well, I love, your, I love your kids. I love watching them on Sunday mornings. They're so involved, and they're leading in so many different areas. And and you can see, even in all of our mistakes, that God's redemptive grace in, in our kids' lives. And you, that's, you just pray. You just pray that they know the Father, that they're falling in love with Him. You know, what advice would you give us on um, kind of being a great dad, as we've talked about this, or grandfather, as some people here maybe have grandchildren even? You know, uh, what would you say if you were to kind of sum up things right now? They're not your kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I would. Uh, Proverbs twenty two six is a is a great passage. It says, "Raise your children in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not turn from it." 
And a lot of people take that to mean that you, you give them the rules, you get, you're, you're the guardrails in their life, and you keep them on this straight path. And then when they're 18, you kind of step back and hope that they're used to going that way, that straight. And that's, that's one aspect of it. There's, a, there's, a, there's this idea that if we're consistent in their lives and we come to church every week, uh, we bring them here, that things are going to work out okay. That's the implication. But actually that verse has more to do with the way that God has called them. Raise your children in the way they should go. The bottom line is this. God loves our kids more than we do and more than we can because he's perfect. Our role as parents is to get out of his way and allow him to work in their hearts and lives. Mm -hmm. So what that means is, here's an implication if you're a dad, and I was this dad, Addison, my oldest now, who's 15 and probably somewhat thinks the way he does because of the pressure we put on him to get good grades as a kindergartner. So we're like, he was, of course, every dad thinks, my kid is brilliant. He really is a smart kid and uh, has not, until this point in his life, had a B in his life. But we were pressuring him to get good grades, and now he lives with that sometimes. Pressure, why? Because I want to be in good classes when middle school. Why, dad? So you can be in good classes when you're high school. Why? So you can get into a good college. Why? So you can get a good job. Why? So so you can earn good income. Why? And then we had to justify that whole sequence so that you can be generous in the church. We like, we justified all this pressure we're putting on our kid to be successful so that he can be a player in a church. I mean, it doesn't make any sense when the bottom line is God might call my son to be a missionary right now. Mm. Now, legally, he probably has to be 18, but it's happened. If you've ever read the book, Kisses from Katie, Katie Davis called as a 16 year old to go into mission field. Now imagine as a mom or dad hearing your daughter wants to leave the country. Well, as a 21-year-old, she was the adoptive mother of 20 orphan African girls, wow. and God has been working in her in miraculous ways because she has been on the path that God has set for her, mm-hmm. and her parents allowed her to stay on that path. So, again, I spoke just for five minutes to answer a question. Very simply, our, the best thing we can do as parents is to get out of God's way and allow him to work in their lives and in their hearts because he has a path for them. And it's probably not the one that we think. It's probably, it may not even be the one that we want in mm. some cases. Uh, but I, I, can't, I can't tell you, it was, it, when I had kids, it was amazing. When my kids have given their lives to the Lord over the years, mm. that's been amazing. The most amazing thing is what you just said, is seeing my kids serve in church. Mm-hmm. When I asked, the first time Addison spoke, I was like, well, I, where did he learn that? I didn't like... I didn't even know he was comfortable in front of people. And he's up there speaking. They did that announcement in church that Sunday. Like, I was as surprised as you were that they could do that. Like, so I can't, I can't believe what God is doing. So my prayer is that, that they'll continue to follow him. It takes a lot of pressure off us if you think about it as dads, right? Mm-hmm. If we can get our kids to follow the Lord, it's like all on him, mm-hmm. right? We just have That's to awful. do our role and make sure that they hear his voice in everything that they do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think my greatest joy in being a dad was having the opportunity to baptize two of my daughters, you know, and, and uh, that's just, it, it just doesn't get any better, you know, and watching them. And, oh. Addison stole my thunder this year. Ella wanted to be baptized, and she asked her older brother to do it. I was like, okay, I can handle that. That's pretty good. It was great that she's being baptized, but she actually asked her older brother to do it, and he wanted, he wanted to so badly. He went with us to, to get her when we adopted her in China, so that was meaningful. Wow, it's amazing. You know, I always claim that uh, Proverbs 22, 6, verse 2, you know, because sometimes we can be great dads, we can pour in, but there's sometimes kids make decisions, you know, and as they get older and sometimes they go off a, a different path in a different way. And, and I've, I've, I've prayed with parents, I've prayed with dads, I've prayed with grandfathers and 
as hearts have been broken many times and decisions that, that kids make, but I've also seen God redeeming and restoring in that. And so I always hold on to that verse as well and just saying, you know, as we have this opportunity to pour into our kids, as we have the opportunity to, to pray for them and, and to give them a spiritual foundation, just trusting that God's going to continue to work in their life. And that is, it's, it's, it's him working in them. Yeah. So The prodigal son is an example of, okay, that's a picture of God the Father he raised those two boys in the same household, yeah. probably with the same rules, the same foundation. Maybe they were both going to get the first car when they were 16. Sorry, different historical context. But in any case, they both took a, a, a they, they diverged. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're not even sure which one was on the path. I mean, they both could have been on God's path there. They both ended up back at the house. In fact, the older brother is the one that we see there's a problem with because he's a little jealous because he did all the right things. The younger brother who ran away is getting the party at the end. But that's a great picture of the fact that God is going to bring us in at some point, bring those in that, that, uh, that are raised in the way in the Proverbs verse. Yeah. You know, I heard one time to somebody said, you know, somebody else could be the pastor of this church. Somebody else could do our job, but, but nobody else could be the dad to our kids. And, uh, I don't know. That's always just, weight on me, you know, that nobody else can be the dad to my kids. And I, I'm the one who's called and God has entrusted me with, with them. And I, I just pray for them, I, you know, and I think when you come back, as you talked about going up to the bedroom to pray um, for Ella, that, that, that just resonated with me because uh, praying is such an important part of parenting. And I think it's one of those parts that we get so busy or, you know, we don't have time a lot of times, but praying with our kids for our kids is just what we as men have to be called to do in so many ways. Yeah, uh, your, your kids pastor, Nick, understands the value. And so every Sunday, there's a handout that we give to parents. Mm-hmm. And so what I've started doing with my first grade parents is we, it's, it's got the Bible study that we just did on there. And it's got a few other Bible verses. And what I'll do is I'll hand it to a dad or mom, whoever's picking the kids up, and I'll go, Hey, when you pray with your kids this week Mm. and you can see immediately, like when the blood leaves their face, (laughs) that they're going in their minds, oh crap, I don't pray with my kids. Or I'll say something like this. Hey, when you guys have your nightly Bible study time, here's some scriptures you can go and and they're going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And the same thing you can tell. And and, and I believe this. I believe most parents, they don't pray with their kids. Mm. They don't read uh, read the Bible with their kids. And those are like, those are two... It's not even a secret. Unfortunately, it's just the ingredient we don't add. Those are two secret ingredients to being incredibly successful parents. Mm -hmm. Pray with your kids on a regular basis. Read the scripture with your kids. Two Mm -hmm. things that you can do as a parent. Single parent, uh, you might even be an aunt or grandmother or grandfather taking your kids. Do those two things. uh, Put them in in the process of their lives so when they get older, it's like a normal thing for them to do. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. So we've got some questions that came in. Awesome. Um, Okay, guys. Uh, Jeffrey, the first question is that came in is, what is it that you want most for your kids, and how do you feel like you can best accomplish that as their father? What I want most for them is going to be unique to each one of them because they're going to have their path. Mm-hmm. So my, my, my hope is that I'm able to not thwart God's plan. Mm-hmm. Like we can't. Ultimately, his plan is always fulfilled. But we can really make it difficult for our kids if we get in his way. And so that's it. So I don't know what it is. And, and I'm, I may not know uh, what it is I want my kids to do apart from serving the Lord in some capacity. I'm not talking about they're all going to go into to ministry or all become missionaries because they may be professionals in some area. Addison has actually expressed wanting to be a veterinarian. I'm not sure how many 
animals he will lead to the Lord, but he might lead a lot of owners. And in anything you do to have integrity and to really serve the Lord, work to the Lord, not unto man, I believe that uh, in the midst of the kids growing up, we're going to start to discover what that is or help Mm -hmm. them discover it. So the answer is, I don't know because it's different for each one of my kids, but I want them to serve the Lord. Yeah. I would add to that, 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 that's what I would say. I just want my kids to be in the center of God's will. You know, that wherever they are, that they know that, they, that God loves them. I tell, I'm going to tell my girls every night, you know, God loves you and, and they always finish, and daddy loves us. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. I want you to know God loves you and your daddy loves you. And just that they live in that confidence that they don't have to try to find love from a man out there because they didn't get it at home and they don't have to try to find, you know, God because they never knew God, they'd never heard of God, that I'm giving them that foundation and I want them to stay in the center of God's will as they walk along. That's okay. You tell your daughters they're beautiful. Oh yeah. So I'm telling you, if you're a dad and you have a daughter and you don't tell her she's beautiful, she's going to look for that in somebody else. She's going to look for somebody else to tell her she's beautiful. Even if they don't believe it, she'll just want to hear it. So I can't tell dads enough tell your daughter how beautiful she is and don't make it even about the the physical thing i've heard this happen too when when a girl you know when girls come home and they're crying sometimes it's just because they're girls if i can be honest with you when we i've got three boys and they ask me all the time why is she crying i was like she's because she's a girl i don't really there's i don't know why but but i do know that there are times when she comes on and her heart's been hurt like maybe some kid at, at school said something about her physical appearance and i think it'd be a mistake for me to say oh you're more beautiful than any of those girls or that's not what I, you know, what I want her to hear is, honey, I'm, I'm so sorry you hurt. I hurt with you right now. You know, I think you're, you're one of the most beautiful girls and what, what their dad thinks of them will change what they even worry about anybody else thinking. Mm. So, um, man, dads need to say that to their daughters as often as possible. See, I think that, I think that's so important, you know, and I think today as dads, um, for all of us is helping our kids learn how to be brave and learn how to be confident. And, and we live in a society where we want to just kind of be the helicopter and stay over them and protect them, but, but allowing them to take some opportunities to step out and giving them that courage and giving them that confidence that, that God is with them and that they are beautiful and that they are strong and that God is going to take care of them and they are going to walk with him. And I think for us, how do we look for our, those opportunities as dads and how do we encourage them, you know, as young men or as young women to grow and to be all that God wants them to be? That's important for us, yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So... Great. We've got uh, a couple more here if we've got time. Uh, next one is, overall, what do fathers need to work on most throughout their lifetime? Ooh. Being a child. <laughs> uh, uh, so that won't stop, too. So as I, uh, uh, the God works in us up until the moment we're with him. Literally, he'll work in our hearts. And if you're walking with the Lord, you realize the longer you're on that journey, you think at some point there's an arrival point, but then you realize if you're maturing in your faith that you have much further to go than you thought you could have possibly imagined. So the best thing I can do for my kids is to walk with him. Mm-hmm. Um, the best thing I can do is to, um, to learn what it means to follow him. And that's going to help my kids out more than anything else, I think. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, if you stay in the word, right, if you and I, if we're growing in our relationship with God, that's going to impact our kids. And then also in our marriage, you know, I think our kids watch how we treat our spouse and yes. how we love our wife. And, 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 you know, it doesn't mean we're not going to have disagreements, but it, but it means is how do we do that? How do we handle and how do we love? I'm glad you mentioned that because 
that, that's something that comes up a lot. Parents generally go somewhere else for the conflict, which is somewhat ironic because if it's so heated that you have to leave the kids, it usually ends up being a yelling somewhere and they still hear the yelling. So it's like almost like a lie anyway. So then you're conflict in front of them and you're lying because they, I'm sorry, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but what we've, what we've decided, and we do argue a little bit, but it's, it's rarely heated. There's a spiritual issue if you're like yelling and it's physical, there's a whole nother issue there, but we actually have conflict in front of our kids. So we'll actually argue. We'll talk about money issues in front of our kids. Those come up more than anything else in marriages. Um, we don't talk about intimacy, things like that. There's actually, they, th- that's something you should, you should discuss. Um, but we talk about and we argue because we want them to see us resolve it. Mm. Shalom is an old Hebrew word. It kind of means peace, but it doesn't mean no conflict. It means peace in the midst of conflict. Mm-hmm. And so we want shalom in our home. We want our kids to see us not agree all the time, but then kind of let God resolve it in us. Uh, usually it's, again, me apologizing for something I said or did, which teaches them a lot growing up, I hope. But we allow them to see that. And I think that's one of the best things we do as a couple is, uh, is kind of work through stuff in front of them. Then they're hopefully going to know how to work out stuff in their lives and in their relationships. And that's huge. And that's what we're going to talk about marriage next week and then uh, how to have a great sex life the following week. But, but those are huge parts of this and it all fits together. Yeah. yeah. Thomas, We've got more? one more here. Um, what is a pat yourself on the back moment that you can remember as a father? Ooh. How about you? Uh, you know what? I'll just, I'll just tell is you Is that guys. me patting my kids or being patted? No. I, I think... To me, tomorrow night we have the daddy-daughter ball, and I'm the dad of girls, and that my girls are so excited about the daddy-daughter ball. They're going out and getting a new dress, you know, they're getting dressed up. They can't wait. And to me, I'm like, yeah, you know, and I hope and pray that even when they're 16, 18, 20, that they're like, dad, we want to go to the daddy-daughter ball with you. You know, I just, I cherish that, and I love that. And I don't, it could change, you know, but I, man, that's just important to me. We want to set up their future boyfriends for failure. <laughs> we want to outdo though whoever that kid is, that punk kid that's going to come along when my daughter's 30 and he, she gets her first date. We're going to outdo that guy so much with his daddy-daughter ball that she's going to be like, you are really a letdown to me. That's what we want. Uh, I really do. That is a big moment. I've talked, I mentioned how every year I take one of my kids out for, for yeah. his own, that one time. But I, I do feel like as my two older boys have gotten older, they both have heard me say literally these words, man, I believe in you so much. You're, I'm, you're going to be an awesome man. I'm so proud of you. You are a man. Mm-hmm. Even though technically, legally, not until they're 18, I think at that time, 14, 15 years old, when your kid, when your son hears you say those words, um, it really does change things yeah. uh, in their lives. And then that, hopefully that resonates in their heart as they get older instead of what the enemy says, which is you're inadequate and you don't need to let anybody know that because they need to think you're strong. And so that will be actually the ironic thing is that when you realize you're inadequate is you become as strong as, strong as any man. You can wow. be so. I tell my, my older boys that. So that's not even something they've done. It's just what I believe in them. Yeah. In fact, that's the way God is with us. He, there's nothing we can do to earn his, earn his love. Mm-hmm. There's nothing absolutely we can do to earn his love. He gives it freely. We just have to accept it. And then once we accept it, there's nothing that we can do that impresses him. Now that we're even in his family, we have to live in his grace. We're not just saved by his grace. We live in it constantly. And so I try to portray that to my kids as weekly as I I do, but I try to portray that to my kids. That's awesome. 
Well, guys, it's been a great morning, and I want to pray for us real quick. I'm going to turn it back over to you, Thomas, but let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, God, that you have called us um, to be men, to be spiritual leaders, Father, to be uh, dads to our kids, Father, and even grandkids. And, And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray that, God, you would give us strength, give us confidence, give us wisdom, Father, beyond our years. God, I pray that we would understand that we are creating the moments for our kids and that we would point our kids to you and we would give them a spiritual foundation for them to grow and to become all that you desire, Father. God, we just want to be men after your heart. We want to be men who follow you all the days of our lives. God, in this one shot at life that we get, God, we want to live it for your name and for your glory. God, we want to do it right. So thank you for every man that's here today. Thank you for everybody who's watching. And I pray, God, that you would use us in our day and our time for your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus that we dedicate our lives to you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks for coming out tonight or this morning. Uh, and Jeff, good job. This is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Next week, join us. Uh, as Jeff alluded to, we're going to be talking about marriage. We're going to have Kim Anderson. So we're going to see from a female standpoint what we can be doing as men to engage in our marriage and also be a, uh, a, a, even a greater benefit to our spouses, but then also to our children in the way that we engage with our spouse in marriage. So please join us next week. 6.30 will be breakfast. We'll get going right at 7 o'clock. Thank you.